0: I have had a doctor who I was under the care of look me in the face after I went through the work that I went through to remove myself from all of that chemical reliance and say, I, I knew that you were on too much medication. I just felt sorry for you. That is a real thing that happened to me. That's a real thing that's happening to a lot of people. And so on paper, I really was this perfect mix of events and components and situations and whatever to have a healthcare nightmare.
1: The amazing thing about the mushrooms is that they speak, they talk to you, they will answer questions, carry on conversations. Simon just pulls up a chair on the porch and puts its feet
2: up. Hi, welcome to another episode of Psilocybin Says. This is Courtney Rose.
1: And Eric Osborne.
2: I am so excited to introduce this episode today with a fellow member of the Christina Roundtree. This is such a great one.
1: Yes, it is. Christina is a great example and individual uh, her story here of recovery from substance abuse and from physical trauma through psilocyte so powerful and so empowering.
2: Christina has traveled the country um, speaking at 12-step program conferences, and she is just an amazing storyteller. It's just, she's one of those people where if you're sitting in the same room Uh, you're in for a great story and you just feel like you're right there with her with whatever she's talking (laughs) about um, which is really cool and we actually were able to get this one on video so if you're not driving or anything, I would highly recommend you click over to our YouTube channel, just type in psilocybin says and go there and you'll find this episode there. I would highly recommend it.
1: Yeah, a lot of conversation about microdosing as well. Microdosing seems to have been the and Christina's recovery across the board. She's also done some bigger doses as she talks about a little bit here, but really it's been microdosing that has helped get her life back on track and really speaks to the power of that experience
2: for anyone who has experienced religious trauma uh, this is another episode which you might be able to relate to in that way Christina talks quite a bit about her upbringing and transitioning and learning uh, more about herself and her journey in in this episode
1: yeah that seems to be becoming a relatively consistent theme <laughs> in our podcast <laughs> is uh, religious trauma recovery through psilocybin so there's so many beautiful things that psilocybin can do and does do for us so thank you for sharing this time with us really going to encourage you again to go over to the youtube channel not only watch this video but check out some of the past episodes of on psilocybin the live stream that i do every monday night at 7 eastern you can also join that Uh, it is streamed via youtube facebook and my linkedin pages on monday at 7 While you're there, please do subscribe to the YouTube channel. There's other unique content that we put out there that you might want to get notification of. And if you haven't rated this podcast, please do so. It goes so far in getting us more visibility so that we can educate more people about the beauty and wonder of sacred mushrooms.
2: All right, buckle in and
1: enjoy. Get your tissues. Am I going to need (laughs) them? Thank you for joining us for another episode of Scylla 7 Says. We are here today with Christina Roundtree, a sanctuary member who has a very interesting story to share. Christina, welcome to the show.
2: Thank, Thank you.
1: Christina. Hello,
0: Courtney. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm just happy to be here in general. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously.
1: Like here on earth or here?
0: Here on earth, I am so grateful to have connected with what is seeming to be like my people, like the community that I've been craving. I'm loving it. I'm making friends. I'm having fun. I'm growing with people and hearing stories and watching. People go from a state of being one week and seeing them the next week, and I'm talking to a completely different person, and it's powerful, and it's meaningful, and I'm just grateful to be a part of it.
1: Have you mm. spoken with George, Tom, or Cindy since the okay, retreat? Okay, so
0: I love George, yes. I um, I met with George on Monday, actually. Oh, and okay. we uh, we actually met the first time two weeks ago, pro- going into that retreat, it was for the purpose of talking about meditation practice. Um, he's fantastic. and uh, But yeah, I told my husband uh, when I was on the way to go meet George on Monday, I said, I said, yeah, I feel like I've been wanting to see this movie forever, and George got to go see it, and he's going to tell me about it. Uh, and I was just so excited.
1: Well, like that's one of the things about once we've had our transformation or as we have these transformations come through psilocybin or other practices, and then we see other people who we have a vested, vested interest in having or we know that they're having that experience and that bond that already forms before you got together and and shared, you're so excited for him and you know that it's big. And that's just such, I think, one of the most beautiful things about this practice is how those who have been initiated support and welcome others in, generally.
2: And Not that, always. that right there, you going to meet up with George after the retreat, like that's why we yeah. started Sanctuary, yeah. like that built-in integration. Oh, oh I just mm-hmm. feels so good to hear.
1: Well, we'll, we'll talk more about that, but let's, let's backtrack and start off with your own personal journey that's brought you to where you are now. And I know it's been a long and winding one, and we'd love for you to share as much of it as you're willing.
0: So much has happened in the time that I've been alive, and I think a lot of that has to do with, um, well, one, I actually have experienced some extreme circumstances just in my life, and so it's 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 kind of lumped together in that way, if that makes sense. But there's been a lot of segments of personal growth and um, spiritual growth, and that where I have had deep and effective spiritual experiences, um, to quote another text that I used to read a lot. All of that eventually led me to using mushrooms as a tool to achieve a spiritual experience, as one of many tools to achieve a spiritual experience. But that wasn't my approach to begin with, even with them. It was definitely, as we've talked about before, from a science standpoint, from a mental health standpoint, from a medical Western medicine standpoint, So I, first of all, have lived my life. I could have been diagnosed with PTSD probably at any given time. Um, I wasn't for whatever reason. I'm not sure how that came. It was not because I haven't sought out help for mental health issues. I just, uh, my brain was really good at compartmentalizing and keeping me safe from awareness of even some, just some not fun things that had occurred in my life. And so I've always been seeking. I haven't all and feeling comfortable in my own skin pretty much my whole life. And I've called that a lot of things, you know. Um, hold on, let me get back to the story. That'll probably help us. So I <laughs> so I uh, definitely, as an adolescent and as a teenager, struggled with... Um, chemical dependency and really just following the rules and feeling heard (laughs) and feeling successful. Um, I I mean, I've struggled with that now that I think about it like pretty much my whole life, like where am I supposed to be fitting in here? I I have, I was exposed to some very extreme religious beliefs from a really early age, which ultimately, you know, through nobody's fault, it's just the way that it actually occurred. And let me say like, this is my personal experience. Cannot be argued, absolutely can't. I'm not asking for interpretation on whether it's true or it's not. It is, I was there. Mm -hmm. Um, If anyone wants to enlighten me on processes that were occurring that I don't have a name for, or how we build on that, or how we're gonna help other people change to where they're happy sitting in their own skin, I want that, I'm there for that all day long. But this can't be argued. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I guess apparently that was important (laughs) for me to say. So yeah, you know, were basically um, from. A, I knew that I was a flawed person. Uh, that I had desires that were absolutely opposed to the grace of God. For my earliest memories is being aware of that, and that you know I'm looking around me in church, and uh, everybody is they look i guess they're having spiritual experiences they're having you know physical symptoms that i can see they're shaking they're running around they're, i guess they're having a good time all i know is i'm i'm not i'm scared i'm not having that feeling i'm having the feeling of i would rather be playing i'm having the feeling of i want to listen to music that i'm not allowed to mit- listen to because it's bad i i want to think big thoughts that go outside of, of, of what these people are telling me, and that's bad. And so Christina, and this is, you know, I don't identify with these beliefs at all anymore, I'm grateful to say, um, it, Christina and herself is bad. Everything that comes from me is bad. I'm pretty much screwed. And I did kind of, I didn't realize this, but my favorite thing, It's like, okay, well, I know I'm going straight to the fiery pits of hell for what a horrible human being I am. Better live it up on earth. And so in my teenage years, that was get drunk and high, skip school. I'll say this very briefly, and if it means something later and it comes up later, fine. Um, I ended up, I I had a teenage pregnancy. Um, As a teenager, I was sent to a Catholic maternity home, um, to place my child up for adoption, which was made very clear. That's my choice. I'm choosing that. But since we're choosing it, don't, you know, we're just gonna pretend like it didn't happen. This baby's going to go to where it needs to go to. And you're going to go on, you know, so many just shame inducing, don't speak your truth experiences. And I, I mean, I'm not even of legal age at this point. And, um, and so a lot of, a lot of pain. And, and then I, I did. So now I'm an addict. I'm an alcoholic. I have an anxiety disorder. I have mental health issues. I'm unstable. I've gotten a uh, bipolar, uh, manic depressive. At the po- at, by the time I was 21, I was on a mood stabilizer, an antidepressant, an antipsychotic, and an anti-anxiety medication. Jesus. And, uh, but y- I-, I heard a message of hope through a 12-step program. That's basically where it came to, which I have the unending gratitude for that opportunity. I will send everybody there as my first choice as a place to stop relying, to stop trying to drown out the, you know, how miserable you are with a substance and actually let's look at why are you miserable
1: anyway. But
0: sure, yeah, say what, yeah, Yeah,
1: probably all over the place. No, 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 you're great. This is is just exactly what we're going for here. But uh, was it Catholicism you were brought up in?
0: It was not, it was um, uh, Southern Pentecostal.
1: How did you get access and exposure to alcohol? initially. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, um, as we talked about, it wasn't TV and stuff because we were definitely watching PBS and Hee Haw. <laughs> um. So my, my father and mother met in that church and had a connection there and formed a family there. And for whatever reason, that didn't work out for them and uh, divorced when I was five. And from that, my mother quit. They've actually both quit participating in that church. Now we moved to just like the general Christian faith. I was baptized in the Christian faith. I sang in the choir. I, you know, whatever. But did I ever feel, I, I always felt like Does everybody else know that I'm not supposed to be here? I mean, I want to be here so bad. Dip me in the pool. Please let me come up and feel okay with me. You know, um, I used to, I lived in Pulaski County, Kentucky with my father as a teenager. My father was a workaholic. He's passed away now. um, But I had a lot of time, you know, which is, I had a lot of time on my own where you're just supposed to bathe yourself. (laughs) And I didn't, you know. Um, And I would just go randomly get baptized sometimes at churches. The first time I did it, I had stayed out all night somewhere that I wasn't supposed to. It's kind of half messed up still from a night of drinking uh, with my friends and was walking home. And they were having church. And I was tired. And I was like, you know what? I'm going in there. And I just did. And I ended up getting baptized that day. And I never went back. And While I was there, I mean, I've heard this described so many times, when you have these moments when you're open to receiving. And you know that truth, and everything's going to be fine. And now I'm going to move over or forward in my existence in a whole new way. But then you leave that place, and that feeling's gone, and you I, for me, that was just a reminder of, I'm not worthy. Mm. Alone, I'm disconnected. Uh, if I really God was present and wanted to be a part of my life, then i would I wouldn't need to go to these groups of people. I wouldn't need to be dipped into a pool. But again, all that was happening as a teenager. And that's the other thing. I thought this was normal, that this was pretty much everybody's childhood experience is what they were having. I honestly, even as a mental health professional, it hasn't even been until like the last five years or so that I've started to unravel like really how not normal my life has been in comparison to the people that grew up in the same time and place as as I did, but I've also been afforded with the opportunity to be removed in a way that most people never experience. So, um, which seemed like the worst thing that ever happened to me at the time, and now feels like it was the savior of my soul. It, it, of, of it, it was what was necessary for me to be able to like really lean into joy. Yeah. You know. So I was exposed to this 12-step program. Eventually, uh, you know, had some slips. wasn't really willing to do all of the work. You know, there are some extreme ideas presented in a 12-step program, and that whole guide, "God" thing was really scary for me. But there's a part in the book Alcoholics Anonymous, just to quote that book in particular, um, that talks about, you know, when people. What about when you talking about a real alcoholic? But I'll just say, in people, in general people in general. What about when you really get to the level of pain where you would do anything for it to stop? This is, I think this is what this book is actually talking about. We become open to spiritual matters, just like we are to any other, like, oh, just put a Band-Aid on it and this will fix you. Sure, I'll take that right away. When you get in enough pain, oh, I just have to completely align my will with God's will. Sure, sure, anything, anything. You know, um, I had to exhaust all of my human resources and everything I knew to try at that point in time. And, and I love a t- the 12-step program that I was introduced to for the simple fact that it is all balled up and, and I mean it helped me attack the drink problem mm-hmm. and, and get on top of it and tap into community, tap into service. And so that's where I kind of was like, okay, so I had it all wrong. I was living in hell. Now I'm not living in hell. You know, I know when I die, I'm actually going to go to the real hell. But since I'm here on earth, let's make it heaven. And that's kind of the approach that I took in my life for the next 15 years or so. While maintaining abstinence from drugs and alcohol, Um, I'm sorry, while maintaining abstinence from alcohol, illegal substances but leaving myself just absolutely open to the pharmacological, you know, possibilities of everything the FDA approves, okay, or that you could buy at Walgreens, or that you can get a Red Bull can, or that you can smoke on a cigarette, right. you know? And I let a lot of those, I don't smoke cigarettes anymore and I haven't for some time, but my point is, is that I was only, and I was still very medicated and was not aware of it.
2: So during this, when you started on the 12-step path, you were still a practicing Christian, or you may have said this, oh, or no. I missed it. But so you had walked away from that.
0: No, and no, yeah. Before.
2: I was never like
0: I I don't know if a practicing Christian would ever be words <laughs> okay. that you would use. Um, am I? Was I still like tapping going into to that notion? kind
2: of. Okay. No, no, no. But you still
1: no, were no. sure you were going to hell. Certain of it, (laughs) I was
0: certain that the God that I did not believe in was coming to get me. (laughs) And I still do that. I call it the gonna get you God. (laughs) And I say it all the time because like, I'll I'll think something, I'll be, I'll just, I'll think, uh, you know, I'll have an interaction with one of my children or my husband or just a human or a tree (laughs) or whatever. And I'll just feel an immense joy. And immediately I'll think, oh, don't. Mm. Don't like that too much. It will be taken away. Yeah.
1: Where,
2: where does that come from?
1: Oh, I know it though. I know it all too well. Yeah. It's going to get you God. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That
2: yeah. should be like on Sanctuary's website is like this is not a gonna get you God <laughs> church. <laughs> Just to be clear.
1: Our gods <laughs> gonna get you shrooms.
2: <laughs> oh, that's even better.
1: <laughs> right. Oh my goodness.
0: Yeah. It's so so funny to like for me sometimes to because when I was living and in, in practicing, um, okay, so let me say this too again about my own unique experience and truth um, in maintaining abstinence and being involved in a 12-step program and whatever. One, not everybody who enters into that environment has had the life that I had leading up to that point and have and is hyper alert, is got all these uh, trauma responses, firing all the time um, that are really driving my, my feelings, my thoughts, my, you know, everything really, and, and not an understanding. See, I just thought everybody was like that. So I didn't even identify as an anxious person. Matter of fact, I would, I would almost guarantee that if you went and talked to people that interacted with me on a daily basis, um, they would not describe me as an anxious person either. But I am telling you <laughs> the panic. That was going on all the time it was just ridiculous and and, 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 and this is a, this is really cool very very cool um, and it's not just a oh well you know that 's all in her head is it really because I have had um, biofeedback therapy done before, which if whoever's listening is not familiar with that I mean literally they are measuring electrical impulses in your muscles that you cannot you don't the point is not to try to trick a machine if you're going and having these things done your trickery is not the point.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's why people are just like, oh, she just tried. Why? I'm miserable. I'm trying to get better. I'm not trying to trick anything. Um, but uh, hold on, hold on.
1: So you had you had people that were invalidating your attempts to find out what was no. under all this, or what? No. well, just- I
0: I have observed in myself and as with humans in general, especially people, when an idea is presented, it could present the peace you're looking for. But if it is in conflict with your absolute truths, mm-hmm. it is easily dismissed. Mm-hmm. And so even with something that can be scientifically proven like biofeedback therapy and the electrical impulses that can be measured, the so people will still be like, oh, that's a, right. you understand what I'm saying? There are people yes. who are looking more for how to prove us all wrong, yes. and I've been there too. It's a miserable existence. How about we all focus on what's right? Because mm-hmm. I'm telling you what, I smile so much more. My heart just smiles. Mm-hmm. Um, my point is, is that when they hooked me up, and this was at a, I went to a pain psychologist, and I'll get to the reason for that here shortly. Um, had a full psyche eval done. Uh, this has been about five or six years ago, five years ago, four years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, four, maybe four, I don't know, somewhere in that range, and uh, that got you know a mental health diagnosis. But also, so they're measuring this, and she told me after I'd gone through this biofeedback exercise, they take you through this guided um, thing that's supposed to, uh, anyway, they follow kind of along like how your body's responding to it. And she told me at the end, she said, you know, when I first hooked you up, I thought that we had some sort of error or something because you're at 100, mm. you're at 100 at base level. But we went through the exercise and everything, and my body responded like it should. You know, which showed that no, there wasn't. You know, an error, in input. Like I literally am looking for an emergency all the time. So if you have a a, um, a, a motion detector, motion detected light on your front lawn, all right, it's supposed to click on if a, a vehicle or a person, maybe even a deer or a dog or something like that walks in your yard. Not when a leaf mm-hmm. blows across the lawn. We're not supposed to signal emergency in our bodies, but that, that's what, what was occurring. That's what's been occurring with me, um, uh, had been occurring my whole life. And, and, you know, one, this is not common knowledge. It speaks to how much I want to be alive and connected, you know, in the best version of myself that I would actually seek out. I'm not a scientist. You know what I mean? I don't have a medical degree or whatever. And I just sat and read research and read research and read people's experiences and tried to understand everything in a way that served me. Because certainly the way that I was understanding things was making me miserable. And mm-hmm. now I'm talking about kind of what led me to mushrooms now. Let me back it up. But that really is applicable in my experience in, in the 12-step program, you know, living that life. And I was active active in service. And I was in love with it because when I, when I'm connecting with someone else on my truth, on your truth, and we can talk about the most joyous things and the most painful things and bring meaning to them right here in this moment, guess who I'm not thinking about? I'm Not thinking about me. I'm not thinking about what you think about me. I'm not thinking about what feels like a shank in my mid back. I'm not thinking about my bills that are not getting paid or how I'm going to take care of my child or how I I am just feeling the joy of connection and purpose and deeper meaning. And I did that for years. Um, You know, I'd have people tell me, you know, Christina, you're so strong. Because I will just tell my story just like that. But what are they really saying? I'd be dead Mm -hmm. if I had to go through. How are you doing this? Mm -hmm. How are you just showing up and suck it like, like it's something you should be proud of that we just endure. And so, I get what they were saying. Hang in there. We see you. It's hard. That's what they meant. I know. But that does lead me to you know something that I found out later was that. So I would have these mental breakdowns even in. I want to say that I have been drunk as a skunk, ready to swallow a bullet. You know, wallowing in my own self pity you know, you know, drowning in the quicksand of the pain and misery that I cause in myself and the people around me when I engage in self-destructive behaviors, I've been there. I've been sober, ready to swallow a bullet. I've been spiritually tapped in. and, and You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's not about what program I'm participating in. I'm not going to switch from 12-step to sanctuary and all of a sudden my depression goes away. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I would go get these, as I know what to do, my, my mother, master's degree in nursing. She taught. I, I've never felt like knowledge was not accessible to me at any point in time because uh, I used to go to the library when I was growing up. You know what I'm saying? Um, I know the difference between um, just some shit that somebody writes and publishes and, like, peer-reviewed research. You know what I mean? I've never, thank goodness, felt like, I mean, access to information is such a privilege. Such a privilege. Otherwise, my father might not have died of the cancer, the brain cancer that he he ended up dying from. I believe he stressed that. He stressed himself into a glioblastoma and literally stressed himself. to that. That's a whole other conversation about how powerful the way we think is and how it impacts our ability to heal or not heal or, or, or um, you know, bring forth disease or, or healing, I guess, is, is what I'm saying. So anyhow, but I, I, <laughs> I was going and getting one of these mental health evaluations like I do every so often. Sometimes I'd get on you know, antidepressant, even while participating in, you know, doing my spiritual growth work and, and whatever, just living life. Um, and sometimes I get off of it, you know what I mean? I don't think a mental health journey is supposed to be linear, that's for mm-hmm. sure. And there may be a time that my specific circumstances get so acute and dire that I am requiring a mental health medication mm-hmm. for that moment. Mm-hmm. There's a good reason for them for a specific mm-hmm. instance. Mm-hmm. Um, but like anything, when it's gonna be the fixer, when really it's just a symptom, I believe. Mm. That's, that is the only, that's how I can describe what's happened with my mental health journey, do you know what I mean? That like those, the depression, the anxiety, the panic, or whatever were not the problem itself. It's not that chemical imbalance or whatever, something else, yeah. it, anyway. What's crazy is that these things are telling us good information. But it does not fit in this world to say, oh, I'm feeling depressed. What's my body trying to tell me? Oh, too much external stimuli? I should stay in today? Take care of myself? Who, who can do that right. when their boss is expecting them to clock in? And so that's just one of, of many examples of, of how I live my life. But I, I went to a mental health professional one time. This is, this is a, about five years prior to a major injury um, that I had. And she said, I'm crying, telling her what's going on, giving her the facts about my life. What's your life look like? Well, uh, I work full time. I go to school full time. I have a special needs child that I raise alone. i um, active in a 12-step program. I am active in service and volunteering. Uh, Well, what do you sleep? (laughs)
2: Sometimes,
0: (laughs) is that like a necessary thing? Dude, the fact that I could like run as hard in life on two, three hours of sleep tonight is like a freaking badge of honor in this world. And that is, you know, Mm -hmm. those are the ways that I measured myself, Mm -hmm. success, you know, all of that stuff. And so she said, you know, I want to tell you, she said, you have excellent coping skills. As I'm crying and her, and I just, I thought, I just laughed. <laughs> Do I now? You know? But I was employing them all the time, like anybody else would have crumbled.
1: It was lifestyle, it wasn't a coping. Yes. Life was coping.
0: Yes, life had become coping. And I had this idea of mind, body, and soul being in alignment. Um, even in through the 12-step program, you know there there's it it, it, it insinuates that you know when we heal uh, spiritually, we'll heal mentally and physically, and that those things will all kind of. So I, I get the importance of them, but much as I tried, in that world, going as fast as I would, thinking this are my only life options to operate in this manner, to align. I mean, I thought though my goals were my goals, I thought my happiness was. My happiness. I didn't even know who I was, much less what I wanted. I knew certainly what I didn't want, and I was looking for it all the time to prepare myself for what I would do when it got here. And I'm great at it. See, I come to life in a crisis. Somebody else's. (laughs) Uh, And thank God for that. You know, because I was talking when I talked to George the other day, we were talking about um, this idea of awakening, and I I won't say it the way he said it. It was a perfect imagery in in my head or whatever. But you know, there was a a cloud cover. We were sitting outside, and there was a cloud cover, and and you know, he was talking about just kind of conscious where we are, our thoughts or whatever. That's the cloud cover or whatever. But like when you awaken, like you break up into it and you see everything, the beauty, all of it. You know what I mean? I, I don't live in a constant state of awakening now, but I will tell you, I am so much more tapped into it than I used to, and it's so freaking cool. And it's not like, I mean, I'm special, like everyone else. You can have it too, is essentially what I'm saying. These moments of connecting with others were like breaking, There were these awakenings, these experiences where I got up there and would like go, and catch my breath, and then come back underneath and live life. You know what I mean? And yeah, I did that. I didn't realize I was breathing in huge gulps.
1: Where were you finding the connections?
0: Where was I finding like spiritual connection? The,
1: the, the, <laughs> the people that you were having these <clears throat> connecting moments with, was this through the 12 step program? Or sure. or it just Okay. Or
0: the gas station attendant, right. or I don't know, the lady behind me in the checkout line, or the person that I let into traffic, even though I'm five minutes late.
1: So you were sober for how many years?
0: Um, So twelve step on paper, <laughs> sober. Yeah, for it was. I don't know. The line got blurred because I don't know exactly when I wasn't sober anymore. It's kind of weird. It doesn't matter. But it was about sixteen.
1: <clears throat> well, this is really. Mm-hmm. I think the it, saying like that. You don't know when the line got blurred. I think is that's
2: mm-hmm. there's a lot right there. Yeah, it sure a is. Because right yeah. was
0: I ever? First of all, that's that's and I, as someone. So was I abstinent from alcohol and illegal substances? Yes, of course. And then I wasn't. And it wasn't because uh, I had, quote unquote, relapsed. I broke my back. And I was it wasn't like a, oh gosh, see, I do this, I minimize the fact that like, I could say I broke my back and it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, That's what no, I was getting yeah.
2: ready to tell you guys. Okay,
0: no, but so actually, Moving on,
1: moving actually, on. No. can I tell
0: you what was the biggest fucking deal ever? It just wasn't the deal that I thought it was going to be. Holy moly. Um, so I have, I've also had a, I've never viewed myself like as a sick person. But now, like if you were to look at, again, this is how I protect myself and, my, and if I am aware of how sick I actually was, I would have been terrified to leave my house. Mm. Um, I was tired prior to me breaking my back and all of doing all of those things. And I was having a good time, don't get me wrong, this was not a bad life. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't. Uh, I was just tired and suffering a lot, needlessly. Um, but I, I was having uh, chronic migraines Cluster headaches, I'm talking about, so I had a neurologist um, who was managing that, um, took medications to stop the onset. I have them with auras too, which if you're not familiar with, is just like a distinct change in your vision. Sometimes I get an aura without a migraine at all. Nobody's been able to tell me what that's about, uh, could be connected to some stroke I'm gonna have in the future. I got told that at like 20.
1: What is an aura? An aura?
0: Okay, so if you glance at a bright light and look away, you probably have like a little green, oh, to me, it's like a prism type dot in your vision that'll just fade, right? So I'll just be like, la, 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 like, and then I'll notice it. <laughs> I didn't mean to say la, la, la. That's not the song that I'm playing in my head all the time. <laughs> it's Christina, what she's doing, singing when she's going through life. Yeah, no, I'll just kind of notice it, it's, a, it's a visual like that. And it spreads, 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 spreads almost into this crescent pulsating prism light it's kind of like looking through a crystal Vaseline. I don't know what I say. Whatever. It's very disorienting. Sometimes it's followed up by a, a migraine, like a physical pain in my head, um, and sometimes not. That's been going on for so. Yeah, that's just one thing. So that was happening. Um, You know, I was diagnosed with a thyroid disorder, hypothyroidism. I have two very small nodules in my thyroid. I've been in physical therapy for degenerative disc disease since 13. I've I've thrown my back out physically, uh, like once, eight months pregnant with my son, like just dropped a pillow, stood up with it, and just collapsed to the floor. Like couldn't bear my own weight. And you know, I had a what's called a pars defect. Essentially, you know, (laughs) things were shifting at my, the base of my spine and putting pressure on a nerve that was eventually, when it broke, when it, there was an actual fracture, I couldn't move my leg. I couldn't pick it up. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you, this is what's messed up in me telling you guys all this. If I had gone to the doctor and they were like, here, this won't fix it, but you'll be able to go to work tomorrow, I'd have done it. Mm-hmm. If, if they had said, this is probably going to wreck you for the rest of your life, but if you take this medicine for the next five years, then it'll, you'll be able to finish School at least, you'll have that time before you have to. Have, I'd have done it. I did not. This, I've had a horrible relationship with my physical form my whole life. I've I've felt uh, like it was not a body meant to serve me. Um, that I'm, it, you know, I have a low metabolism. I'm, you know, I'm not. Prone to health, you know. I've got bad genes. I, it's a struggle for me to be healthy. This is a a culture. I watch this in my father's family. I've, I've I, you know, oh the drinking. That's what I was going to tell you about my lovely grandmother. She is who introduced me. <laughs> my mom's side of the family. They're an awesome group of hippies. And when I was nine, Grandma said, "Christina, you're getting older now." And I don't want you to go to a party and have one beer and get knocked up. So we're going to get drunk tonight. And I was like, yes, because I had been waiting for this. I had seen that like family reunion. Nine? Yeah, that's the age. Wow. Okay. My, gra- <laughs> my, grandma, my grandma had my mother when she was 14, 15, also, um, a child raising a child and you know, probably barely a, not a child anymore with a grandchild. But anyway, this was, her, it was in, let me not diminish this the love this woman has for me. Mm-hmm. This was her saying, I see you, young woman, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I respect you know, that you're, you're getting mature now. And get me wrong, this is sick, what I'm saying, but this is how I can understand the message that woman was actually trying to give me. And she taught me a few things that night too. She opened this bottle of cheap red wine and said, now when we open bottles around here, we finish them. And I was like, yes. I can do that. And I drank cheap red wine out of fancy wine glasses with my grandma, got in the hot tub, listened to Dark Side of the Moon on vinyl, and I had fucking arrived, as far as I'm concerned. But, because that, not feel comfortable in my own skin. That's why it was so easy for me to call what was wrong with me alcoholism for so long. Mm. Because I could relate so strongly to the experience of people who were talking about it. Mm -hmm of what they'd experienced before even ever even taking a drink.
1: I kind of love that you're saying it like that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I certainly, uh, I, <laughs> yeah, have, was seeking for that feeling to, I just wanted to be okay. I was looking to feel okay before I ever drank. Mm-hmm. That just happened to be the Band-Aid that I flew, put on it. I'm still looking to be okay. But things look, first of all, I have a life that I'm not trying to check out of. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Because I'm going to tell you, things don't look so different than they did three years ago when I couldn't get out of bed.
2: Okay, so could you clarify, though, the, um, what led to the surgery that had you laid out um, sure. for a while?
0: Yes. So as I enter, and, and you know what's crazy? <laughs> and not Actually, this is not so crazy. This is a lot of people's experience um, that, ha- that choose to have, because that is an elective surgery. It's not like, You're going to die. Maybe you might not walk. Mm -hmm. Um, I was told, you won't. Some people, I could send you to get epidural injections. I could send you to physical therapy. I could send you to, but this is where you're going, what you're, in my mind, fine, fix me. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. That that literally was a decision based on the programming and, and my complete faith in modern medicine because I'm not, I didn't, I, di- I didn't have complete faith in a higher power. It was all just kind of a game I was kind of playing for a while that was keeping me sober. Uh, I never really felt fulfilled. Don't get me wrong, I could see the power was there. I just, I knew I wasn't tapped into this, you know what I mean, because I would feel it. I'd feel it when I was alone if I did, and I still couldn't feel it when I was alone. And I was practicing and I was getting out of the way and I was making myself a channel. I was making myself a vessel for someone else's message Mm -hmm. in the way that they say is the way that you have to carry it out. And here are your measures of success. And I'd done it again. I did want to say this. Not everyone had a a trauma history like mine leading into a 12-step program. Not everybody had had those um, had real had any experience with strict, organized rules and processes, not everybody's had that impact in their life, and not everybody was a child when these ideas Mm -hmm. were introduced. There's a lot of people who get sober in a 12-step program who have a completely different experience with me because they have an experience to make a decision based off of, I was a child, a child.
2: How old were you when you entered in?
0: Just right after, well, exposed to at 18, I've been sent to treatments and whatnot mm-hmm. a couple times in my adolescence or whatever, um, but, uh, and then stopped drinking right after I turned
1: 21. Before we go through with the, the post-op <clears throat> journey, mm-hmm. what had your exposure to psilocybin been up to that point?
0: Oh, I think I took actual mushrooms one time as a teenager. I know I took acid a couple of times. I think I might have taken, see this, I was also at that time in my life was like, oh, what will this do? You don't know, I'll tell you. I was, I know, I didn't see myself as valuable as even this was a body or a spirit or a mind even to protect or even set, you know what I mean? Like I just had no boundaries and didn't see myself as valuable and meaningful. So it was easy for me to do things like that, you know, and call it a good time. But really it was like, gosh, please let this make me feel like anything other than how I feel fucking right now. Is really what I was going for, you know. This whole idea of blotting out the consciousness of your existence—mine was intolerable at that time, and uh, and or, or that's how I was perceiving it to be. So, um, did that did that answer mm-hmm. what, what question we were getting to? But um, so when you when you talk about the the line being blurred, about you know not quite sure. So I think it's important to circle back and remember that was I sober. Sober, not free from chemicals. I was definitely freed from the socially agreed upon chemicals. And so sober, in recovery, I guess. Miserable for sure, spiritually broken, yes. Trying so hard. And it made me a bad person, I wasn't lying. I wasn't, you know, I mean. The moments that it was so good, it was so good, but it has always been contingent on something external and that's not it. And so I'll tell you why.
2: <laughs> it's when you
0: can't walk. <laughs> there you are. Uh, and everything external's still there. It's just not there in the way that you remember it. And it's not there in the way that you can rely upon or understand. And... Um, it was intense, so, so I had this two day surgery and um, wonderful doctors, I have wonderful doctors. Um, they were all great <laughs> individually at what they do and that's, that's unfortunate is mostly that's how doctors look at it. I'm gonna do my individual good job and that's just not health, is it? And, um, so I was on a lot of medications, even prior to my physical injury. My anxiety was increasing so much. I mean, I was in physical pain with these migraines, cluster headaches. I was going to have to, I mean, I worked at an infusion center at the time for people who were having such extreme health conditions that they would have to go and get infusion medications. Well, I was a patient at the own the same clinic that I would have to go get three days in a row of, a, it's called like the mag cocktail that they put you on when you can't break a migraine on your own. And it was just normal. And I, th- I thought, I felt so grateful. I'm so glad I have this thing. So glad that I can go leave my whatever and go stick a needle in my arm for three hours and get this medicine pumped into me and then go right back to this unhealthy lifestyle and wonder why. What is so wrong with me? I'm doing everything they're asking me to do. And I was doing everything they were asking me to do. <laughs> I just wasn't doing so many things they weren't asking me to do. It was okay for like, I mean, I was freaked out, but I've been doing work at how to be a good human for a while, and I'd done all the right things. And yeah, I'm still living below the poverty line, but, I bought all the right policies and I've got short-term disability. and I took a medical leave of absence from school and they understand and it's okay. The government's not gonna come after me for my loans right now. I'm just gonna put a pause on now that and you know what? Since I have to just be laying here for a while, I'm gonna watch so much TV. I'm gonna sleep. I'm just gonna sleep. It's gonna be awesome. That should reflect to you how sick I was already that you can look at well, this thing happened, but hey, at least I get to watch TV. At least I get to sleep. It, was, it began to look like a vacation. And if I'm completely honest with you, there is immediately the evaluating. And you're getting ready to take pain medicine, Christina. Remember all of the things. Now, I should. I, it's not like it's a bad thing to say, hey, be mindful of what we know, what science has proved that this medication is going to do to you. Now, weird how we'll all look at it before we give somebody a, a, a narcotic pain medication and say, hey, be careful. This medication is made to make you think you need it. This medication is made to make you forget you took it. <laughs> this medication, you know what I mean? Like we know the chemical makeup of This it can do all, it will, you will act in a way you never have when, you, when it comes to this. You, they give you and you sign. Okay, yeah, I understand. Now let somebody start acting like that. Now they're a horrible person. They may not say it. You know, I have had a doctor who I was under the care of look me in the face after I went through the work that I went through to remove myself from all of that chemical reliance and say, I I knew that you were on too much medication. I just felt sorry for you. That is a real thing that happened to me. That's a real thing that's happening to a lot of people. And so on paper, I really was this perfect mix of events and components and situations and whatever to have a healthcare nightmare occur, to have a spiritual melt. Am I I just a complete existential crisis? Every sort of crisis that you can think. (laughs) This was nothing like anything I had ever experienced before. So it was projected that I would be back to my normal life, my healthy life, um, in four months post-surgery. That's how miraculous it is that we can do. Look, Christina, we can really put you to sleep. We're going to cut you open from the front the first day, and we're going to put hardware in there, and it's going to be amazing. The things that your bones can't do, we're going to do it for you with metal. And then the next day, we're going to flip you over and go in through the back way. And it shouldn't take too long for you to heal. Uh, you take this medicine, you go to physical therapy.
1: They operated on your spine from the front and the back. That,
0: I think that's a normal, it's an anterior, posterior, they just go because they've got to put uh, brackets in and then they got to screw them in. And believe me, there are people who have way more metal in their body than me. But it, 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 just even the way that it was all wrapped up in a ball for me, it's like, hey, we see you get this major, don't even worry about this thing. We're gonna do this thing, it's gonna fix it, it's fine.
2: Are you looking for a community that allows you to authentically express and explore what it means to be human, one that honors the divinity within you and all life? Then Sanctuary may be just the community you have been looking for. Sanctuary is a faith-based organization centered around the sacrament of sacred mushrooms for spiritual exploration and personal development. You are invited to become a member and commune with us. Join us for a Sunday Zoom service or a weekend sacred mushroom retreat in the beautiful Kentucky countryside. Visit dot org to become a member and find more information.
0: And so, and you understand the human that is hearing all this is a flawed human, is a person who doesn't deserve to be healthy. I don't deserve healing or good things. I'm not telling myself this. If you were to ask me at that time in my life, I truly believe, Eric and Courtney, if you say, Christina, how do you feel about yourself? Well, I'm I am honest. I'm an honest person. I can be relied upon. I'm trustworthy. I show up with people. I lead with my heart. I'm genuine and authentic. Now, when I'm saying those things to you now, I can feel it. I can feel my truth. And I spent most of my life being able to rattle off the facts about Christina and not having that positive feeling attached to it usually a negative feeling, like, who are you? Who are you to even say that you're these things? How dare you? Other people can say those things to you. You can accept it there, we just say thank you, but we, you actually really know just how small you are, just how insignificant you are, because that keeps you humble, right? You don't have to beat yourself up all the time. Oh my gosh, it's just, anyway, I didn't realize that I was in the habit of being so hard on myself and talking to myself so horribly, so many things that, that I realize now, or even the narrative about my life, how untrue that it was. So things did not get better. Everything hurt. I don't even—oh, my gosh. Is
2: this so, after surgery? Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. At first, I just tried to plow through it, which is actually not as hard as one might think when you can't fill your own body, but, you know, because you're, on, you're so medicated. And I was. You guys, like, at this time— Six months post-surgery, oh my gosh. I was on a fentanyl patch. I could take two Percocet tens every four hours each day. I was on 1,600 milligrams of gabapentin. I was on the highest amount of allowable benzos that you can prescribe to someone legally. I was on uh, a handful of psych meds. And then just pages of PRNs. Those are per request needed. Well, when you have the mindset of treat the symptoms, get back to life. I mean, your your PRNs. You know, take them only. You need them every day if you're in pain every day. You know what I mean? Why? So yes, <clears throat> it's very simple for me to see now. You know, Christina. What, you were passing, so I would pass out. I would go out in the world. I was just trying to do life. I was following the rules. I was going to 12-step meetings, you know, with my, on my walker and just trying to show up and carry a message and say, look, anybody can, it's things happen, but you can still be so just follow, you know, follow directions. It's, I'm just really still trying to carry a message of hope from just an absolutely hopeless place. I was trying so hard and people were scared of me. I could see it. I was scared of me. So it was really hard going to these places and seeing these people that had always been so welcoming to me and had always um, I felt like I was not needed, but appreciated so much for my input and, and my service and just being a part of. And that changed. And I was alone. This was before COVID. So COVID happened to me a good year before everybody else. Um, So I was a little bit over it when everybody was complaining about how disconnected they were and how depressed they were and how they weren't getting their needs met. And I had been dying alone in my bedroom for a year already at that point. I was just like, all right, guys, get it together. At least you're all alone in that. You're not alone, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Nobody was trying to hear that. Um, (laughs) But um, so life was very different and it's hard. It's hard because I now also have this brain whose job is to tell me there's no emergency while it's looking for an emergency all the time.
1: Does that make any sense? I understand what you're saying. It's hard to compute, but I understand what you're saying. Right.
0: <laughs> so, um, so I couldn't physically get you know, um, to the places. I, I've always been able to go and get what I need. And I will. I'm the kind of person that just will. You know, Um, and then I was just alone. And it wasn't like this was, you know, I can just, I just hear past Christina what I would have said. Well, I mean, weren't they alone at the start of it? You know, wasn't Bill alone at the beginning? And you know what I mean? This is not a sponsor. It's not contingent to, to, to have a, you know, you don't have to have a sponsor. You don't have to have somebody take you, you know what I mean? Like people, they just mailed out books at the beginning of 12-step programs, and it was a self-guided thing, you know what I mean? Um, it was just all these excuses for, and, and, you know, and I was trying to take this, you know, anyway. Again, somebody else's program, somebody else's goals and um, measures for what's okay and not okay, and. What my purpose is and not, and um, yeah, I've been being told what my purpose is or being told that I don't have one at all my whole life it's either nothing or it's exactly what we say it is if that makes if that makes any sense, so guys like you know what happened is this at some point um, I was going like through my laundry or whatever this is, this is again it's probably about six months seven months post surgery and I am trying to just be, I'm not back at work. You know what I mean? Like when I, I didn't get better, I, I, you know, I just didn't. I got worse. My mental, my mental health got worse. Um, I started having stomach issues and nausea. They told me it was from the pain. I thought it was from the pain. Turns out it was the medicine. All that medicine was just literally eating holes in my stomach uh, to the point where I mean, where well, I might have had to have parts of it removed like an emergency surgery, you know what I mean? Um, At this point, you know, I would show up. I would just come through in like an ambulance on the way to the ER and I would have been out in the world and passed out. And I'd get to the ER and they'd go, Are you passing out to get more pain medicine? And I was like, No, like I have, like I would show them the medicine that I had. (laughs) Like maybe I'm passing out because I'm over medicated. Just saying. (laughs) Just saying. Um, But like, you know, and people tried to tell me, like my husband. I mean, He's not a medical professional, but he could see. This stuff was killing me. Mm. But my ultimate faith was in my doctors. It wasn't in me. I'm certainly not anybody that I'm, it has been drilled into my head that you cannot be your own doctor. You cannot trust yourself. You're undisciplined. Your alcoholism will convince you that um, you're giving you what you need, but you're just delusional. You know what I mean? Like, can't be trusted gotta follow somebody else's deal because of this alcoholism or whatever. Um, But like, I've spent so much time miserable in my bed that like, (laughs) did it really matter? Where were these people? And that was the other thing. Where were these people? I was expecting these people to show up in my life in a different way, that's for sure. And, And that's okay. I got the most amazing people showed up in my life, exactly who I was supposed to with exactly the right messages for me at the right time. Actually, Um, what happened was I was afforded with the opportunity to have nothing and much of it I was giving away. I thought that the state that I was in was because of my body. It was because of mental health conditions beyond my control. Um, that's why I haven't taken a shower in four days, or left my my bed, or, you know, uh, so
2: many things. So, at what point did you just say? Was there a point, like? Well, a, 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 clear point where you're like, no more of this? So it was
0: a journey. Awakening, for me, I guess, I, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard of spiritual experiences of the educational variety, but that's genuine, generally. Now, that's, so that's a good point to bring up, okay? So I've had a lot of educational variety, spiritual experience where it's accumulating, you know, to this, ah, big aha moment. You know what I mean? That's usually how I operate. And sometimes they're boom. And that's kind of why I like mushrooms man, because they they are that, it's all in one. It just happens, packaged up for you right there to just tap right in if you can open yourself up to it. Um, So I began doing what I do when I reach a point is, is, so it started with how do I make myself feel better? Okay, well I began using alcohol, I began using more of the medications, I did combinations of things. I was going to like physical therapy and I knew that Connecting with others was going to be something that made me feel better. I was I, like, Christina, I was kind of going through these things that was like, hey, you were there. Even though we called it something else, we called it a 12-step program, we called it, you worked at a treatment center and so you know how to do this. You, you called it your education, like in psychology or counseling or whatever. But it was you. You were there. So it's not like you've lost everything. Here you are. Let's see what we know. When are times that you felt better? What were you doing? What were you not doing? Let's try those things. And so it just, it kind of started there, right? And so I went to where my program already was. Let's, let's, let's throw things at symptoms. Let's go straight to the instant gratification of going and connecting with another human and telling them you're you know, sharing your pain and, and bringing healing from that for yourself and for others or what. I had so much healing to do. And so, man, I turned my wheels for a little bit. We'd moved out to Oldham County, middle of nowhere. Uh, I've got home health coming out, nursing, OT, PT at that point, still on a walker. Finally make it think, going to physical therapy was, I mean, I tell these guys all the time that they saved my life. Cause I go to show up to move my body and I would just cry and talk to these people. I was just craving connection. I was just craving being valuable and meaningful, useful. I was craving and feeling anything other than thinking about how much pain I'm in all the time, you know? And I knew I could get there talking to other people. I just was putting the, the cart up before the horse. And so I, uh, I tried by myself to get off these medicines, you know, I, um, and it, it's tough. It's hard. The physiological response of stopping taking these chemicals hurts in a way that I just can't even So, and then, can I mention also that there's an actual physical pain present also? Um, And so what ended up happening is I needed to, I I was like, how do I get off of this without having a seizure? (laughs) You know, I know what happens when you abruptly stop taking benzos and certain things or whatever. And so you can, yeah. And so um, I went to a treatment center where... It was supposed to be, uh, the understanding was that, and my my family found this place for me, and they were so proud of finding a place that wasn't gonna treat me like I was a horrible human being for being dependent on these chemicals, and they were just gonna help me and make sure that my body was safe while they exited my body. Um, That is not the experience that I had. This was a place that was, um, they did not have, they were not equipped to be running the type of facility, this happens often, in the uh, mental health and especially in the chemical dependency world, where we get people who uh, their only basis for being there and uh, working at a place like that is their their own sobriety, which in itself is a great, uh, that's how I got my first job in mental health and chemical dependency, was my my experience in getting sober itself. But that alone is not an all-encompassing approach to, especially for this particular medical situation. Uh, well, I was well, still struggling to walk and, um, you know, I was made to trudge and things like that. I mean, while I am coming off this medicine and can barely, barely carry my own weight, it was just assumed that I was drug seeking. It was just assumed mm-hmm. that um, that I deserved, that I brought it on myself. I saw these. Um, These things, I had two seizures while at that facility. They discharged me without my knowledge. I just was kind of abandoned at the hospital. Uh, It's a real thing that happened. Um, And uh, thankfully got into a better (laughs) mental health facility who uh, finished that process um, of monitoring me while I came off of those medications. Um, And I did come off of uh, quite a bit of it. Um, ended up getting back on pain medicine. There was pain present and I was like, okay, well you're off of a whole lot of stuff and then you know, tried it again before eventually getting off of it completely. That's been about, uh, I guess, a year and a half ago and that coincides right along in the same week that I began um, microdosing psilocybin mushrooms, too, um,
1: interesting enough. How did you get to the mushrooms?
0: Well. Through this process of getting rid of taking all of these pills, of stepping back from these doctors. I mean, I was having people do invasive procedures on me to try to stop this pain. I said, no more needles, the least amount of chemicals possible. You know, again, I'm still having to wrap my mind around, I mean, I've got chronic healthcare diagnoses. To me, my only option is to take these things. And I look, I'm not, a, I'm not a doctor. I am not talking to anybody else about what you're supposed to do. I'm telling you what I did, which was trust myself finally, as the ultimate authority, as somebody who actually knows exactly how to heal this. That voice that I've been using to help everyone else, and I would leave those places and go, okay, now what? Now what are you gonna do, Christina? That's my voice. That's for me. And that healing, I had seen it, and I had equated that to something else, not me. Now I've gone back through my whole life as much as I can, and it's gonna continue to come up. I mean, I'm an active. Uh, trauma therapy. I've, I said, you know, mush, mushrooms are, are, are the, probably the most powerful tool, but one of many um, tools for accessing divinity in my life, um, and, uh, and and doing, you know, inner child healing, shadow work, addressing your nervous system, whatever you want to call it, is so freaking key. It's you know, we talked about it in a service. Uh, Somebody, like you, mentioned it on one Sunday, that the the mushroom maybe begins way before we ever actually put it into our body and certainly should continue on, you know, with, with integration and preparing and, and all of that stuff. Um, as a man, I'm telling you what, I can tell you that if I had tried to take a macro dose, you know, right after I moved out to Oldham County while I was still on a walker, while I was, you know, I might have found myself in the psych ward, if I'm completely honest with you. I was not stable. I was in no place to delve into a higher consciousness and and try to have that experience. I think it's really important to say. Um, Do I think I would have been okay? Yeah, I mean, if I'm honest with you, yeah. But better safe than sorry, I'd say. Um, And why? For me, where security and safety are so key and important to me, why wouldn't I create an environment where I know that I'm safe, where I can fully let go, where I can truly have that experience and immerse myself in it and not worry. You know what I mean? So that's, that's more what I'm heading to. But, um, but yeah, I just started feeling happy because, okay. So I had been told also that you can't feel your way into a new way of being or thinking or whatever. You have to act your way into a new way of thinking. You have to, but I want to walk. I want to dance. I want to go further from my, front door than my porch chair. How do I do that? I gotta believe that it can happen first. I gotta believe that I deserve it. And can I feel the joy of it occurring before I actually get there? Because what do I do? I can do all this manifestation, but this is the moment I'm living in right now. And those are the questions I started asking myself. If nothing ever changes, can I be okay? Can I? Because I really was looking at it both ways. Let me just end this. And not because I want to die. I want to live. Clearly I want to live. But I don't want to suffer. And I don't want to bring suffering to people who look at me and I see them. So sad to see the state that I am. I see them trying to recognize me. I know because that's what I was trying to do. <laughs> so I began therapy. I trauma therapy, the most intense trauma therapy I have, I mean, really going in. I also stopped taking the pain medicine. What was happening at that point, if I'm completely honest, is, is I was getting only a small amount each month or whatever, um, and I, I wasn't able to keep from taking them all in the first five days that I had them. So 30. Percocet tins, gone in five days. And I'd be okay for about five days out of the month. Imagine that. And then I would be on an emotional roller coaster for the next two weeks. My husband had to, I asked him, I don't know, in a moment of clarity, I was just like, I started the therapy. I had started asking myself the questions. I had seen some glimpses of hope and I was still feeling very lost as you will feel when you've got all your eggs in that Please make me feel better. Basket of some sort of outside chemical, and uh, and he explained what I, what he saw happen with me. How you know he could see me changing some of my behaviors, but I would I would take medicine for those days, and then I you will you do nothing but cry and struggle for the next two weeks, and then you'll get your resolve under you, and you're going to make these changes and whatever, and then the medicine, and then and so I just I told my therapist I said I'm not I'm 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 abusing it, and I have to stop taking it. Like nothing is going to happen. Here's what I think. I don't want to have a life that I'm checking out of. And for whatever reason, I certainly could see the truth that this was not bringing me joy. And so it was really hard, but I stopped. (laughs) And then there was like, okay, now there's physical pain. How do we live with this? And there's been a lot of things that maybe are not going to be applicable to everybody. But so the mushrooms, so I began studying neuroscience, and just in trying to understand my body's pain response, my trauma response. Again, I'd been diagnosed with, you know, with PTSD in now this period of time and, and whatnot, and I'm just trying to understand how even, in mean, finding out remarkable things, like you, will experience, you can experience pain just by believing that pain has been inflicted. Holy shit, that's powerful. And it explained a lot for me on so many levels. But then, you know, as I began asking questions, well, what else can I make my body feel? Because I do feel good sometimes. Aren't there those chemicals in there too? And I just started getting curious and reading and neuroscience and higher consciousness are, you know, a lot of times they kind of like go, um, dip into each other and, and I had had some people in my life, uh, there was another person. You know, I'm just gonna say, yeah, cause let me just honor this guy. My friend Eric, who I watch, who had a very similar experience to mine, entered a 12-step program earlier. early, had a life, had a trauma history, um, struggled with maintaining sobriety, would have periods of time or whatever, um, and he had mentioned it to me. I reached out to him, we, I used to, we were in a band together, I used to sing in a band, he would play bass. And, um, but a really great friend of mine, and he had mentioned uh, mushrooms in it. He's like, I know, don't worry. I mean, I know what people think about this and the whole 12 step thing, but you you know, he had physical pain too and whatever. But he ended up taking his life. So probably, that was right before I started microdosing too. It was a big wake up call for me. All these people that I'm scared about, what they're gonna think about me, they're all in my head. They certainly weren't in my house. They're not offering me anything positive or negative. It was just all in my head. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't know who I was waiting for, I guess me, to show up to just decide, do you know what? <laughs> like, I don't know who I'm looking around for to show up to tell me the way. Just do a way, and it'll be your way. Go do it and be happy. I mean, it's what, what's the worst? We can always come back to this. We can always come back to bed. You can always just stop but I don't wanna do that before I try it this other way. I'm so glad that I didn't give up on myself. And so I started reaching out to people that had been significant in my life, that had been teachers that maybe weren't present then, but you know, just trying it out. And a lot of those people were gonna be through the 12-step program because that had been my whole life. I looked like I had these different areas of my life, relationships, career, 12-step, it was all the same people, you know, and I had, not everybody does it that way. That is the way that I did it. (laughs) And um, I had to to go back to these relationships and say, hey, and look at them, not under the blanket of, these are the people that are supposed to be there for you because that's what we do in the 12-step program. It was, take that away and let's look at these people. Are these, do you want this person in your life? You're allowed to say that. Turns out, oh, I shouldn't say, I don't wanna say anything. So when you remove the lens of which you have viewed a bunch of people and look at the individual, um, it was easier for me to determine whether I actually wanted these people in my life or not. And the right people showed up and I quit being so offended because I wasn't getting, you know, what I needed. I actually was getting what I didn't want. You know what I mean? I didn't, uh, does that make sense? It, it was fine. And I got what I needed. I got the connections that I needed. I began practicing meditation. I began f- focusing on healing. I began feeling the good feeling before the event even happened that made the good feeling. So, yeah, I mean, Nothing's really changed in my life, you know what I mean? Like I still got the same kids at home who go, you know, go to school and we do the thing, and and uh, but everything's changed because of what I do. I have made my healing and my personal growth uh, a priority, the the priority um, since beginning microdosing.
2: How long has that been? When did you So start?
0: yeah. Um, Oh, I'm trying to think. Because I don't drink anymore also. that's I, I, I sometimes try to remember how much time it's been. But <laughs> it <just> doesn't matter.
2: <laughs>
0: it really doesn't. Um, it's been some time now. And it's not an issue for me. Uh, wait a minute. What was the question, Courtney?
2: How long have you been... Uh, I mean, more specifically, I guess I'm wondering, how long had you had a relationship with mushrooms until you found the community that is sanctuary.
0: Okay, yeah, so um, let's see, I did remember, cause my, I did stop, I had, yeah, okay. Uh, June of, of 2021 was when, was I, yeah, is when I started microdosing. Things changed immediately, immediately. And not like, cause I was like, you know, in a kaleidoscope dream or something like that. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe the change because it was so gradual and so sudden all at the same time. Um, For me, so I could see the the benefit in taking a microdose of psilocybin uh, with no hallucinogenic effect just based on what little information we have about the amazing things that it does in the brain, um, specifically regarding you know, our neural pathways, how they're programmed in, and how we can actually get parts of the brain to speak to each other that never do without the presence of this chemical, how we can actually sever old patterns and rebuild in ways that actually serve us.
1: Uh, and even in traumatic brain injury yes. and physiological damage yes. being repaired, it's incredible.
0: Yes, and just, oh, oh, oh yes, it's so exciting. It's so exciting um, because brain deterioration is it's just a natural occurrence of being a human. So anything that we can do to stay sharp and as long as our physical bodies will sustain us would be amazing. Nobody wants to be a prisoner inside their body. I'm telling you right now, you don't want to be a prisoner inside of your own body. But I'm also telling you right now that before I broke my back, I was a prisoner inside of my own body
1: when I could walk just fine, certainly. So you had this gradual yet drastic change when you began microdosing. But how has that relationship looked as the time has passed now? Like, right, you have that immediate, like, oh wow, things are different, or I'm seeing things differently, right? But then how does that relationship evolve as you continue working with the mushroom from a different place of mind?
0: I'm really grateful that my beginning path in the mushroom space was. I mean, obviously I don't live alone, I have a family, but wasn't with you guys, because it doesn't feel like I, don't get me wrong, I'm okay with needing you all in my life or you know, whatever, but like I am confident in my ability to heal and grow spiritually independently and got just so comfortable with that and embraced it and found the value in it defined all that, did all that, all on my own. Now, I mean, can I, my husband is my best friend and no one has ever loved me the way that that man loves me. Not a parent, not anybody else. And so he taught me even a way that I can love myself that I just wasn't even aware is capable. And now, now I do that all alone, just without him. You know, before I came here, I I was, you know, just doing the last little things before I left and I felt, Uh, I noticed that there was some nervous, what appeared to be nervous energy in my body Uh, of shaking. My hands were, and I was doing just some containing and holding myself and giving myself what I need. And sometimes it's hard to make that feeling come up. I've talked about like, you know, being able to tell myself the words and not getting the emotional response that, you know, and it'll make you feel like you're not at odds with yourself. And so I just called to my husband who was in the living room working and I said, you know, do you have a second? And he came in and he said, yeah, he said, what do you need? And I said, can you just remind me how you see me? And he just looked at me and he told me and like, I, and I was able to get there, you know, and in his arms, I, my breathing slowed down and it was just a reminder of what is already present within me. So it's okay. It's okay to co-create, you know, your existence and, and rely on those positive energies. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here with you guys. I'm so grateful because when you guys started this, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I was still healing. And I'm, st- I'm still healing as you and I have talked about because I, you know, how excited I am about my next big <laughs> macro dose <laughs> because I have never been so aligned in my freaking life. I have never felt, known, remembered my ability to heal in the way that I know. And I know that I am entering that space with that knowledge. And I am just so excited about the freaking talk getting blown off my head, man. It's going to be so awesome and all the things, but yeah. so. Yes, and so I've had some, I've taken some higher doses alone out in nature um, where somebody knew what I was doing. Like, hey, you know. But um, this is not anything I'm scared of. I have felt safe and nurtured by this mushroom space. The fear is there. It's everything I think I know, what people have told me, old narratives that don't serve me. Because where am I going? I'm going to the safety of within. The place that feels the best. Fuck yeah. I want to feel it and I want you all too. Except it won't feel this way, it will. But it'll be your awesome man, you know. (laughs) Sometimes you just gotta throw that man in there, you know. (laughs) So that's what's happened to me. The mushrooms alone would not have been enough or they would have led me right to all the other pieces um, that I needed for healing. The personal responsibility about what we do with what we learn there and how we interact with the world afterwards. To me, it's such a responsibility. People, that connection I know you felt in that space, don't forget it. One, it's for you and it is with you all of the time. Your body remembers, tell yourself that it's there. And two, take it with you everywhere you go and offer that, offer it to every being that you encounter. And amazing things will happen. That has been my experience.
1: Well, you answered why psilocybin is a sacrament anyway. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That pretty much sums it up in my mind anyway. excuse me I'm satisfied wow I'm yes
2: I'm curious about um, I mean you've been through so much and around pain management and um, working through trauma and in in a group setting with a 12-step program and Um, I'm just so curious, like, have you shared your experiences with mushrooms with anyone from the 12-step program yet? Well,
0: yeah, sure. If you're listening, then that's where I went, guys. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, so I'm having a good time. That is scary (laughs) to a lot of people. Um, that is. It was scary to me for a long time. So so, so what I experienced in the arms of that program when, when applied in the way that it was intended is there is a, oh my God, the connection, the love. The, it's, a, it's just a piece of what, it's, you know, that fellowship, the community or what, you know, all of the, having a higher purpose or whatever. And sometimes that aligns, somebody else's purpose might align with yours, like how our paths cross. I was looking for you guys and here you came. And yes, it was through a conversation with someone that I knew from the 12-step program who um, after a year of um, just listening and I mean I shared with this person specifically that I started it was scary for me yes I was I was like oh gosh that might be it she might never want to have anything to do with you and then I had to be like doesn't matter <laughs> doesn't matter you know if it's supposed to be there, it'll be there, and it'll bring you joy. And if it's not, I'm going to know, you know? And and so, no, she's a great friend of mine and has um, finally, uh, after a year of research and getting quiet with it and um, uh, talking to people and being advised and opening her heart, she has begun microdosing. And it has been amazing to watch this person. Oh, my gosh. Um, and... Uh, but so I recognize too um, that that's scary
1: what would you say to someone who's in 12-step program and is considering using psilocybin but is, has that fear and that stigma around it
0: I understand I truly do and I can see very easily how I am not advising anybody. I just, I know what has worked for me. If, if, by all means, what I will say is this, for the love of God, do it before you drink. Do it before you blow your brains out. If that resonates with you, seek me out and come talk to me. And I can offer you more about my experience. If you are happy and fulfilled and have freedom from the obsession to drink and you are living your best life, you're probably good where you are. If it ever is not enough, just know you're not stuck.
1: Well, Well, this has been an incredible conversation as I expected that it would be. Um, And there's so much more that I would love to ask you. And we will, I'm sure, continue this conversation. And I feel that you have so much to bring to not just sanctuary, but the community at large through your journey. Um, Last question is, uh, what does What does psilocybin say to you?
0: Psilocybin says trust yourself. Uh Everything that you need is within you now. It brings me right back to, and that is what is so beautiful. It's not taking me to this external place. It is taking you within. People talk about set and setting so often. We could fill this room with really cool shit to look at and lights and things that fill, whatever. And if you bring a soul like the one that I was carrying around to that experience, it can, you will have a different experience than you will that if you are actively working on healing. I know that to be true. It, everything you need for healing to align with the best version of yourself is present within you right at this moment.
1: I know it. Mm. It's so good. Thank you so much, Christina.
2: Yeah, just thank you for doing this and just thank you for being present with our community. I'm so excited. You
0: You guys, we are about to have so much fun. I feel that. And like
2: you bring that like on Sunday services when I see your little boop (laughs) image (laughs) pop up in your name, I'm like, yes. You know, uh, like, thank I just you for that, and then when I see you, you know, register for circles, I'm just like, yes, you know, because like you're just such an amazing being. Well, I,
1: know, I know when you're at the circle that I can facilitate half as much because <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're helping run the show. It's not what
2: I am <laughs> well, trying to do. Well, you're, you're, you're,
1: you're natural, though, you are. i saying, yeah. you are very natural at facilitating conversation, you're curious about people, you share meaningful, you had so much meaningful, my God, meaningful life experience. It's just a natural ability of yours.
0: And, and I wanna say how much I love that these people that I am interacting with here at Sanctuary are asking more questions than giving answers. And I think that is so important to recognize. Um, That this is a collaborative and inclusive and ever growing and changing space. And uh, I'm just so excited. I'm just so excited, you guys. Likewise. Yeah.
2: Yeah, me too.
1: And George is fucking gullible. The
2: lost beetle. Can I I just? (laughs) I love (laughs) this. What did you He's the lost beetle. The lost beetle. beetle. I was going to ask you if you could pick any nickname for George. What would you pick? And you answered it. Oh, Lord.
0: but he, oh my gosh.
1: LB
2: George. I should have
0: given him something way more zen, but that's zen in itself. So, yeah.
1: That's perfect. Yeah. Sweet. Well, thank you again. And uh, yeah, look forward to all that the future holds.